0: So we're starting our Advent series this week, and I've called it Unwrapping Christmas, because I want us to be as excited as small children still are by the wonder of Christmas, by the unknown of the wrapped present, by the thrill of then unwrapping this gift. And what I'm hoping for from this series is that we can together remove layers of our own assumptions, our own past, and then layers of confusion or translation, interpretation from the centuries, and then still more the layers of modern, commercial, secular understanding of this the most wonderful time of the year we can argue again about that at easter but for the sake of argument the most wonderful time of the year and if we can explore christmas and particularly the nativity as given to us by luke and matthew then what i wonder can we learn together about the nature of god the nature of jesus about what god wants for us and from us. So one of the first tells for the coming of Christmas as they clear away the Halloween gubbins from the shops is the arrival of the Christmassy tune as the backdrop for all shopping, whether it's the weekly household shop or clothes shopping or gift. It doesn't matter, does it? Those songs are everywhere with edifying lyrics about Santa and stockings and snow. But even the true meaning of Christmas is at least a bit about songs. And today in looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth especially we're going to think about their songs and what they meant but in doing that we're going to explore something about silence and the importance of that as well so let's come now to the Word of God starting in Luke and we're going to join an elderly, childless priest named Zachariah as he encounters an angel whilst at work. It happens all the time. So we're in Luke one, verse thirteen. There are a couple of slides before this one, at least one. Uh, where are we? So Luke one, verse thirteen is where we are starting. The angel said to Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, well, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time Thank you, God, for your word in the form of your scripture and in the form of your dear son, Jesus Christ. Teach us through them, we pray. And help us now to hear possibly familiar words and stories with fresh ears to hear what you have for us in this season. Amen. So, Zechariah, he's not a powerful man exactly, but he is a man of some status within his own community because he is a priest. At the same time, he's also a man living in that community under the heavy burden of occupation by a violent and repressive invading power. So already we have a tension in this story It could have been a beautiful, simple story of an older couple who have long given up on having children, but being blessed with that joy of having children. But it's not that simple story. It's tempered, it's almost spoiled by the world they will be bringing that child into. Did God make a mistake then? No let's not imagine please ever that god does things on the fly that he makes it up as he goes along if there's a tension here that there's an unexpected aspect to this or any story it's on purpose it's to make us pay a bit more attention so let's just before our reading began zechariah has been chosen by lot to go and light the incense in the holy of holies this is an important job a special job and i don't think i really realized until i started looking into this for today that this might have been a once in a lifetime opportunity for zechariah this wasn't something that priests did all the time there were priests doing it all the time but there were enough priests and enough lot drawing that one guy might only have done it once in his lifetime so this is already not an ordinary day it's not just another day at the office he may never have had this responsibility this privilege ever again and then of course it becomes still more unusual. An angel appears with some pretty stupendous, unbelievable even, news. And Zechariah expresses doubt and demands confirmation. Apparently he wants more confirmation than the appearance of a supernatural messenger from God. So again, what could have been a simple good news story becomes one of doubt and confusion. Perhaps God had picked the wrong man? Again, I would say no. But Gabriel's response, and this is where it starts, getting into our silence, is to render Zechariah speechless. And we have to ask, why? And the simple answer might be, it was a punishment. You didn't believe me, and now you don't get to tell anybody anything. And perhaps you are the sort of person who regards silence as a punishment. So I've just spent four years at college and every term we had a quiet day not even a silent day a quiet day that's 12 quiet days i've been part of and i maintained silence for an hour not even 12 hours i mean an hour in total and whilst most of my talking was indeed theological and reflective it was useful It was, I have to admit, very, very little actual silence. Silence does feel a bit like a punishment to me, but I also know, as Gabriel knew, that silence is a gift. It's a chance to reflect. And is that in fact what Gabriel was giving Zechariah? Poor, confused, bothered, bewildered Zechariah. It was a gift, a time to tune into God's heartbeat, God's rhythm, God's desire for Zechariah, for Elizabeth, for his people. So here's my first question for us. How easy is it to stay tuned in to God's voice in the hubbub, the busyness of life, the mundane routine necessary, but not particularly glorious stuff. Zechariah was performing arguably the most holy and special of duties for God. And yet even he couldn't hear God's will over the sound of his own importance, possibly, the noise of his own doubts, the clicking of a first century lighter. I don't know how they lit incense. Whatever it was, it was clearly making too much noise for Zechariah to focus. So Zechariah needed silence. We? What would it take? How much silence for us to be in a place where we could eventually respond in song, like Zechariah finally responds in song at the birth and crucially the naming of his son John? Here is a part. Of that song we're back in Luke one now verses 76 to 79 Zechariah says and you my child will be called a prophet of the Most High for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. this this is a song of praise to God it is a song of thanks for the safe delivery of his son John and it is a hymn of praise to what John represents there is a lot of joy in that song it is also a song a, a prophecy in fact that understands the darkness that God's people were then living in arguably still it was an awareness of the imposed silence on an entire people so it seems that zechariah has used his imposed silence to have a good look at the outside world as well as his own internal world and he is aware perhaps like never before of the need for and in the presence of his own child the arrival of hope hope for deliverance and forgiveness from earthly and spiritual problems prophecy is always speaking truth to power And Zechariah here has a truth about the power of God and God's power to forgive sins, to bring light, to bring change, not just over the occupation of the Roman Empire, but also the occupation of our souls, the restriction and the, the incarceration, the imprisonment of our very selves under guilt and shame, the power of sin. And in looking at his baby boy, and in finally understanding what Gabriel had to tell him, Zechariah sees a time is coming when both will be defeated. Earthly and spiritual warfare will be over. So we have, in Zechariah, a a wondering silence and prophetic song. God clearly thought it was important to have both. Can we hold, even enjoy the silence as Zechariah had to? Can we find a fresh way to observe God's world in all its glory and in all its current failings? and in that observation can we find a fresh god's word god's will god's heartbeat for us us his individual precious children and us his people so let's use silence as Zechariah did as a chance to find a reason for song for gratitude and wonder and hope can we embrace the silence and enable the song and i want to give us a chance now to practice that so let's have a moment of quiet and in that quiet we're going to listen for what god has to say about our immediate world our family our community this church family Embrace the silence, enable the song. Now, Zechariah had a temporary silence imposed upon him. His wife Elizabeth had lived in a world of shunned silence for decades. In a time when childlessness was not clinically understood the blame and indeed the shame of not having children was laid squarely at a wife's feet. And in a more superstitious time, younger women would have actively avoided spending time with Elizabeth as an older, clearly cursed childless woman. So we can only imagine the loneliness of a woman with, in contemporary thought, no real purpose no children to cook for or clean for, and for Elizabeth, a husband who was routinely away at the temple. Isn't it great that we no longer treat people without family around them like social pariahs? Something to think about. So Elizabeth lived in silence too. Nobody wanted to talk to her. And anyway, what would she have to talk about if she didn't have children or grandchildren? She wasn't allowed opinions about anything else. Her word as a woman was worth nothing. Zechariah needed the silence. I don't think that we are pushing imagination too far to think that Elizabeth had done little else other than silent, private, difficult contemplation and questioning in her entire married life. This month, this month will be the time when the blood doesn't come. This fluttering, this strange feeling, this time it will be real. Why me? Why not me? What have I done wrong? What do I need to do differently? Why does it hurt so much? Why is God hurting me so much? But into this world of feeling forgotten, cursed, pointless, ignored comes a baby, new life, and so much more than a baby. Let's hear some more words from Luke. Still Luke 1, this time, verses 39 to 44. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So Luke gives Zechariah a song. He gives Mary a song. Elizabeth has, we can call it a song, but the Greek tells us it's, a, it's an elemental shout. It's a bellow, loud like a storm. That's the word they use. It comes from the depths of her diaphragm and it expresses bewilderment and joy and overwhelming wonder. And it's another weird tension, isn't it? Because we've been thinking of Elizabeth as this old dried up forgotten woman who has no role in society, no real role in her own family. And what do we notice? The Holy Spirit fell on her. you may remember Gabriel told Zechariah that John would have the Holy Spirit before he was born. So I suppose in a sense, Elizabeth is carrying the Holy Spirit. But no, in these verses, she receives it for herself. And it's not even through her visiting cousin, Mary, who, as we know, has also been touched by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hovered over Mary. That's how she conceived. It's not even through Elizabeth's nephew, baby, God that Mary is carrying no Elizabeth is drenched with the Holy Spirit and it enables her to be the very first person to recognize Jesus as God this is a beautiful moment and I think a particularly beautiful depiction of this very first encounter. It's a moment that only two women could share and that only the Holy Spirit could enable. I had a friend uh, many years ago now, pregnant with her first child, and she was still working. The only time that she got to sit down in a day was when Neighbours came on at 5.15, as I say, long, long time ago on BBC One, proper Neighbours. Some months later, when she had her actual tiny baby, the baby would routinely be cryy and fussy until, ta da, five fifteen every weekday. As the theme tune came on, the baby would go, "Oh yeah, sitting down, relaxy time." All right. Babies in utero recognize voices and music that much. We we can know and marvel at. John recognized his Messiah, his reason for being, the one whose shoes he was not fit to tie before he even really met him, before either of them were born. What power is in the Holy Spirit? So with Elizabeth, we have painful silence and overjoyed song. Now is the time for us to welcome this amazing, wonderful, powerful Holy Spirit who can enable such wonders. Can we, like Elizabeth, be brave enough, open enough to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit? It is here. And can we, like her, through the Holy Spirit, meet with our Lord, our god jesus christ our saviour so let's welcome the holy spirit who can and does speak through any silence empowers us to speak like elizabeth words of truth and praise embrace the holy spirit and enable the song Now, remember I said that God is not a fly-by-the-seat-of-anything kind of deity. So it is not a coincidence that Jesus was born into an occupied land to a people denied a voice in their own home. It is not a coincidence that Jesus was born of a woman, a girl, who had no real voice in the world by virtue of her age and her gender it is not a coincidence that jesus himself was born as a baby unable to speak defend explain himself he was born into layers of silence but if they're not coincidences then they mean something we must have unwrapped something of what God wants for and from us. So is it that Jesus came to speak for the voiceless, to articulate what they, what we cannot know? No. I think it is something so much more powerful, almost unbelievable, given that it comes from the God who created this whole beautiful, perfect universe. Jesus came as the voiceless, not on our behalf, but as one of us. For any of us who have ever felt ignored or unloved, unheard, redundant pointless lesser in any way he came as one of us we don't always have the words to express ourselves clearly or meaningfully or persuasively to others and even less so to god but we don't need them jesus stands at the right hand of his father he intercedes for us he communicates speaks for us but unlike some would-be advocates and I know that I have done this I have fallen into this trap of speaking for somebody by putting words in someone's mouth by second guessing Jesus doesn't do that he doesn't disempower us by assuming that he knows what it's like to be a frail broken sad human he has been one of us, he has suffered as we have done. Silence and song. Jesus knew the difficulty of enforced silence and he knew the joy of contemplative silence by taking himself away from the crowd to be alone with God, to restart and refresh. And whilst we aren't given in the Gospels any songs from Jesus, we are told about the worship and the teaching that he gave individuals and huge groups of people. We hear about the companionship he shared with a wide group of people, about the dinners he ate, the parties he enjoyed with people. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Jesus too enjoyed songs. Enjoyed being joyful i love this picture and i would love to tell you that i knew who painted it i have really 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 tried to find out i can't zachariah elizabeth jesus they all knew the power of song of an explosion of joy and overflow of wonder and praise and emotion And for all of them it came from the empowerment the experience the strengthening of the holy spirit encountered in the silence that they both endured and embraced so we're entering advent now a time of preparation what are we preparing and what are we preparing for well, I hope that in unwrapping Christmas this week, we have found that God asks us to look for, to create, to welcome even just brief moments of silence so that we can refind God's heartbeat for us. So we are preparing our hearts and our minds. And we had a glimpse in Elizabeth's story of what it's like to know that Jesus is close. How did she experience it? As a leap of joy, as a drenching in the Holy Spirit. We too can know that leap of excitement inside to welcome the Messiah. So we are preparing for him. We remember his coming as this tiny, defenceless baby at Christmas. Oh, but Advent is about looking forward. It's about preparing for him coming again. And we look to his coming with silence and with song. There doesn't seem to be any more sensible way to respond to this than with song so please join with me please stand if you're able and we're going to sing our praise wrapped up in our need for jesus and we will make it our welcome to him here and now please stand if you're able